0: The Woodside Church Podcast. Good morning, Woodsiders. I get the privilege of bringing God's word to you this morning. So we're going to continue with the series of more of God. And we're going to be looking at God transforming us and what that looks like as we go through our Christian life. So the first what we're going to be concentrating on today is God's holiness and his righteousness and asking the question, well, what does that mean to us as we live our Christian lives? Okay, so we want to enjoy being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to just ask the Holy Spirit to come now. just going to pray as we start our service. So, Father in heaven, I just thank you for your goodness and for your mercies. I thank you, God, that every day is a new day in you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh this morning. I pray that you would speak into our hearts and that you would challenge us and you would change us to be more like Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the subjects of God who never changes, the God who knows everything, the God who rules over everything. We've been looking at the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But this week, it's about holiness and righteousness and what that looks like in our lives. So to talk to start with, we want to talk about what does it mean to be holy. As an ex-policeman, I love definitions. If you understand a definition, you can make sure that you make the right choices. You can make the difference between making a lawful arrest or an unlawful arrest, which leads to all sorts of problems. So, what's the definition of holiness? What does it mean that God is holy and righteous? Well, unfortunately. There is no definition, just an understanding that comes from the Bible, which can be summarised as follows. First of all, it's really important to say, well, as we're describing the meaning of God and his holiness into words, completely devalues God's holiness because his holiness is massive, is awesome. So we've got to add a little bit on this and say this is just a small reflection of what it means. So multiply the words a million times and we still won't be any closer to understanding God's holiness and righteousness. But here is an overview of what the Bible has to say. God is completely different to us, separate from us. He is majestic. There is no one like him. He is morally perfect. He is without sin. He always knows what is right. He cannot but fail to do what is right. He is completely other. There is no one else like him. God's holiness is what separates us from him, what makes us completely different to him and him completely different to us. His holiness is more than just that he is perfect and sinless. It is that he is completely other, like no other. We look at him with wonder, with reverence, with love. We see his creation all around us, nature, birds, the animals, the smallest fish, the plankton to the biggest huge whales, the stars, the universe, the works of his hands and just, just for a split second we get to see his majesty. We are momentarily in awe, overwhelmed. But when we see him face to face, we will know him completely. We will worship him forever. We will never be underwhelmed. We will always be overwhelmed by his majesty, by his awesomeness, by his love, by his power and his altogether otherness. So what does it mean to me and to you as we follow Jesus? What should our position be as we follow a holy God? So 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 is a really helpful scripture. And we're going to use this this morning as a template to answer that question how should we live our lives in response to knowing and following and trusting a holy God, our holy God, our heavenly father. 1 Peter 1.13 to 16 says this, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world so that you live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You did not know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So what does it mean to live a holy life? Well, I'm gonna break down this verse into bite-sized chunks and hopefully this will help us to see what that means to us. Okay, so the first point from 1 Peter is, prepare your minds for action. Okay, so what does it mean? Well, when I knew Gana, when I first met her, it took me a while to really get to know her and to understand the way she thought. I fell in love with her, I fell in love with her character, I fell in love with her. But it took me a while to get to know her. And I got to know her by spending time with her, asking her questions. And if anyone asked me anything about her, I was able to give an understanding of who she was. And that was 35 years ago. Now I know her so much better. I thought I knew her well. I didn't know her well. I now know her really well because I spent loads of time with her. And that's how it is with God. When we spend time with God... We get to know him well. So that is a really important part of living a holy life, is understanding the God that we follow. Part of being holy, pursuing holiness, is to know the God that we follow. And we do this by spending time with him. Our personal private times are essential parts of our days. And I know many people, it's very difficult to find those times But you know what? It's really important if we can find a slot in the day that works for us to spend quality time to seek God, to to listen to his voice, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is so important as we work to to fulfill a life of holiness within God. So the longer you spend with someone, the, the more you know them. As we spend time with our Heavenly Father, we get to know his voice. We get to meet him at a heart level, a level where peace fills us and where we get to understand that nothing else is as important as knowing God. We are complete in him. When I have a quiet time, at the end of that quiet time, there is a peace in my heart that all the problems of the world seem to just melt away as I come before the Father and sense his peace, his goodness and his mercy towards me. So the next lesson we get from 1 Peter is that we are called to exercise self-control. 1 Corinthians 10 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is always a way out when we are tempted. We choose what we look at and what we don't look at. We choose what we do and what we don't do. It's our choice. But as God's holy people, we need to make the right choices. I want to give an example of this. It goes back to when I was a youngster. I was traveling from New Malden to Waterloo train station. I did this every day on my way to NatWest Bank. And the guy I was traveling with, we were going down the escalators. And I was looking down the escalators. And everybody else was looking down the escalators. But the person I was traveling with wasn't. He turned round and he faced me and started looking up. And I said, oh, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I've noticed that there's some pretty girls coming up on the other side. And I don't want to look. And I thought, gosh, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? But you know what? Over the years, I've come to understand what it is he's saying. What he's saying is, I want to live a holy life. I want my thoughts to be correct. And you know what? That lesson that he taught me has gone with me for all of my life. So if I'm driving down the road and I see somebody coming towards me, a girl on the other side of the road, who's running or whatever it is, I know that I don't want to look at her. So I look away. I take my eyes off of that person. I make a choice the right choice to live a holy life. And that is what God wants us to do, to exercise self-control in so many ways in our lives. The other thing is gracious salvation. When Peter talks about gracious salvation, now, I mean, this is a fantastic thing, knowing that Jesus, what he did for me on the cross, helps me to live a holy life. Jesus, the son of God, became sin for you and for me, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God's grace is unmerited favour towards us. Romans three twenty-three puts it like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but it goes on to say, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We have a free gift of eternal life. Through faith in Jesus, we're born again. We are now new creations. the old is gone, and the new has come. We are a new people. We are a holy nation, the Bible says. We are a holy people. Jesus lives in us by His holy Spirit. It's amazing. We've been made right with God, not because of what we've done, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. and because of that, I want to live a holy life. I want to give my whole life to Jesus, my whole heart to him. The next point, 1 Peter says, is your old wage. Should we then carry on living the life that we used to and rely on God's grace? No, God calls us now to be holy. Remember that means set apart without sin, completely different from the cultures around us, putting our hope and our trust in him. In practice, this means forgiving people who have wronged us, our family members, our employers, our neighbours, the people that we rub shoulders with, forgiving them as Jesus forgives our sins. It means serving no other gods. That could be money. It could be our possessions, our celebrity heroes. It could mean and should mean us being humble, not full of pride, not putting our careers first, something that I've been guilty of in the past. It means loving justice, standing up for what is right, hating sin, controlling our tongues and honouring God with what comes out of our mouths, not watching rude or inappropriate films, loving our neighbours as ourselves. The list goes on and on, but remembering that we've been given the way out of temptation. God has provided the way. He promises us. We have not been left on our own either. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. Galatians 5 16 says this we are called to walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience goodness kindness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law so the next thing is obedience 1 peter says obedience obedience we have a responsibility, you and I, to live holy lives. Over the, over the years, God has graciously challenged me. He has disciplined me because he loves me. He has gently changed my gaze so that I look at him and start seeing things from his perspective. He is the good shepherd of my life. I have never been in want. He has brought me rest when I have been in turmoil. He has provided food for me and for my families, a roof over my head. He has walked with me and led me to acknowledge sin in my life and to deal with it so that his name will be worshipped. He has always been with me, protecting me. God protects us. He promises us that he will protect us. He has filled me with his Holy Spirit. And most of all, He has prepared a place for me in heaven, what a wonderful saviour he is. That's why I want to be obedient and follow his ways, because he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. Therefore, I lay down my life to him. The next thing Peter says is that we should be holy in all that we do. Now, the way the Holy Spirit works is that the Holy Spirit changes us over time from the inside out. So my life is a changing process of I become more like Jesus. So an example of this would be going back to your days when you were at school and you were doing your experiments. The osmosis as a plant is put into a vase of water. Osmosis brings the water up into the plant to feed the plant. Now, if you then put um, ink into that water, the ink gets sucked up into the plant and it changes the appearance of the plant into the color of the ink. And that's how kind of it is. With us as Christians, the Holy Spirit works in us and through us and changes us and makes us much more like Jesus. So should we be holier than thou? That's my next question. Should we be walking around with this holiness about us so that no one can touch us because we would be dirtied? No, no, absolutely not. We are not called to be like that. Absolutely not. We are called to be rubbing shoulders with those around us, not separating ourselves, not into holy clusters. Nothing, no, nothing like that. Jesus is our example. He was the holiest man who has ever lived. He was part God, part man. And he met with everybody. He didn't isolate himself from anyone. He rubbed shoulders with everybody. He loved everybody, regardless of their background. He was a culture changer. He was a life giver. He was the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of our heavenly father. And that's what we're called to be like. That gives us hope. God is a gracious God. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. He knows our weaknesses our frailties and he forgives us and he forgives us again and he continues to forgive us as we confess our sins i mean that is a fantastic place to be in psalm 103 verse 12 puts it like this for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He loves us, the height of the heavens above the earth. He loves us, as a vast expanse, a never-ending expanse as far as we know. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are just dust. God knows that we're human. God knows that we're going to mess up. God knows that we're like that. He knows we're human, but he is a forgiving and gracious God, and he will continue to forgive us as we confess our sins before him. So what stops us from living a holy life? Well, I was in the RAF many years back, And you know what? I became a Christian. I found it really difficult to live a Christian life and actually got to the point where my life didn't look any different to any of my non-Christian friends. In fact, in many ways, my life was worse than my non-Christian friends. No, God was. But God. Through his goodness and through his mercy, as I came to him and realized that I got a load of things wrong and I got on my knees and I said, God, forgive me again. I know I started off as a Christian and I know I've gone so badly wrong, but forgive me for my ways. Forgive me for my sins. And he did. He broke in right there at that moment and forgave me. And you know what? That is open to us. If we're struggling in our Christian life this morning, that is open to us as well. So what is preventing us from living a holy life? What was preventing me then from living a holy life? And I've just made a few suggestions here. One is the fear of looking weak to other people. The fear of not fitting into the group of which we, we, we committed to. Fear that I would miss out. Fear of being seen as boring. Not knowing God well and understanding what Jesus has done for me. Not having a real understanding of that wanting my will to be done and not God's will, and and also unrepentant sin in my life. These are all things that stop me from living a holy life. I was a mess, but God broke in as I confessed my sins and asked for forgiveness. Which came in an instant. That was twen- That was when I was 20 years old. I'm now 60. That was 40 years ago. And God has changed me over that time. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are worth giving our lives to. If anything is holding you back this morning from living a holy life, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you even now. He is a God who promises to forgive us as we confess our sins. If you don't know Jesus today, you can have your sins forgiven. Confess them to the Father. Put your trust in Jesus, who was raised from the dead, having committed no sin. Our sin was placed on him. He paid the price for our sins so that we could have peace with God. And if you've done that this morning, please contact us or let a friend know. We'd love to connect with you. So, a very brief summary. God calls us to live a holy life. Jesus wants us, he wants our hearts, and I want to give you the opportunity this morning and me the opportunity this morning of just saying, Jesus, I give you to me, give you myself afresh to you today. Forgive me for my sins. Help me as I live my life, to live a life which is holy and pleasing to you. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are always there for us and you provide that way of of moving forward in our lives as we confess our sins so we're just gonna we're gonna hear a song now by Rachel and Colin and it's a time for us to reflect on where we are positioned right now where are we in regards to living a holy life but before I do that I just want to pray father in heaven I thank you that you are an amazing God. I thank you that you're a forgiving God, a gracious God. And whenever we come to you and we confess our sins, you are quick to forgive. I thank you. And Holy Spirit, as we just, as we listen to this worship song and reflect on our hearts, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come along and just love, show your love to us. Help us to see where the areas of life that we haven't completely given over to you and change us. From the inside out thank you jesus for always being there for us thank you for being a loving a loving god to us in jesus name amen you have been listening to a woodside church podcast for more information visit woodsidechurch.com